Well, thank you for joining us. Today we are going to be talking with Special Agent Philip Bates with the Federal Bureau of Investigation on uh, some security issues in the uh, world, I guess you could say. But more specifically, since I'm an HOA lawyer with, uh, with ties to homeowners associations and condominiums. So having said that, uh, you want me to call you Special Agent Bates? Phil, Mr. Bates, what do you want me to call you? Call me Phil, that's fine. All right, perfect. Phil, give us a little bit of history about you and um, your background. Well, I started in law enforcement back in 2002 as a city police officer in the city of Mesa, Arizona. Had a wonderful time there for six years working the streets and taking 911 calls. Um, 2008, I left Mesa Police Department and went to the FBI. The FBI uh, sent me around the country. I've been able to uh, live in Seattle, Arizona, Washington, D.C., and um, had kind of a gamut of experience working on all kinds of different crimes, but primarily working on the Joint Terrorism Task Force and focusing on weapons of mass destruction. And you can uh, thank me for getting to the police department. I think I, I'm the one that gave you your chance, right? Truth be told, you are my inspiration <laughs> for getting into law enforcement and... <laughs> My wife will thank you for the rest of her life because you go on to be an attorney and I am a cop. Thanks. Hey, you're a glorified cop, right? Hey, tell me one thing real quick. Um, at the, I clerked for the Attorney General's office in Boise, Idaho for a while. I've been in law school. Uh-huh. And um, this, I can neither confirm nor deny, but is it the Federal Bureau of Investigation or the Federal Bureau of Incompetence? Uh, <laughs> How, did, how do I say no comment in the interest of keeping uh, my job in yeah, the long run? No, I'll retract that. I'm, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. How no, I, I'm really excited that you could be here. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and the Bureau, and I'm excited to go through uh, a couple of things that I think will really help my client base and anyone listening on um, potential issues that they may run across if they see anything that's out of the ordinary and what they can do. Yeah, that's that's exciting because... A big part of my job is to go out and talk to members of the community. I do a lot of talking to um, consumers and retailers of potential chemicals or biological materials that could be dual use and used in weapons of mass destruction. I also talk to a lot of law enforcement community groups about things they should look for um, that could be indicators of suspicious activity. And so being able to speak to your large audience is, is a great opportunity. So thank you for inviting me. Perfect. So let's get into it. Um, you know, we had a few problems in California recently. Um, I guess there was a mass killing. Um, and Yeah, the I, in- Inland you know, Center there in San Bernardino. Yeah. yeah, and I read a bunch of stuff about it. I think some newspapers, you know, which is the authority on this stuff, <laughs> is, is the media. But uh, from what I saw, they traced the individuals back to a home within a homeowners association. Now, I'm not going to ask you for specifics into the case um, on whether it's an HOA and who's – because I don't know if it's a pending investigation or whatnot. But is there anything you can comment to with, with that case? So, yeah, the two individuals back there in December of 2015, they were um, obviously inspired by ISIS to do what they did. Um, but – as you watch news accounts of, of what happened when they went to the community, it was a small condo community with uh, attached garages in the back. And some of the neighbors later on, being interviewed by the news as well as law enforcement, said that 
they observed what they called suspicious activity. Uh, they were late nights spent in the garage, and later on, as a part of the investigation, we found 4,500 rounds of, a of ammunition there, 12 pipe bombs, you know, a, uh, a bunch of bomb-making tools. I won't get into more than that, but they were working at strange hours. They were in there making noise, and later on, neighbors said, yeah, something just didn't seem right. And what strikes me about that is, to make a comparison to school shootings, for instance, in 80% of school shootings, when they go back and interview friends or family, coworkers, whatever it might be, they've said, yeah, you know what? Looking back, I saw signs there that this person was going to do something. They were going to fly off the handle. And so we need to do a better job of educating the public on what those signs and symptoms of radicalization or you know, someone that might be unstable and needs some help, and how do we step in? So that it's important that we're, that we're doing this and that we're looking back and, and, and picking apart you know, what, were, what led up to these incidents. Well, you raised some great questions and points. So uh, talking about signs and things that we can look for, give us some of your uh, suggestions and pointers based on your guys' experience. What is it that we can look for to make sure that our communities are safe? Well, I, I think some of the, the major things is that we need to get out first and we need to get to know our neighbors. So if, if we're in an HOA, we're in a community, you know, the, the great thing about a lot of, of well-run HOAs that I've been a part of in terms of as a, as a resident is that they have community activities that bring people together and everyone gets to know each other. And so when you come home at night, as opposed to opening the garage door, pulling your car in, closing the garage door, never talking to your neighbors, you know, you're out and about, kids are playing together. And so you know and you begin to notice when someone is coming and going at all hours of the night and day that's abnormal from their, their typical behavior. If they, uh, you're, you're smelling strange odors coming from the apartment that, or from the home or from the condo, that could be drug-related, of course, or it could be someone making homemade explosives, for instance, which is where I spend a lot of my time talking to people. You know, the, these recipes are easy to get a hold of. The chemicals are available everywhere. Um, and a lot of things I have in my own garage, chlorine, peroxide, things like that, ammonium nitrate as a fertilizer. But all of a sudden, if I'm noticing increased amounts of that at a, at a home or they're in a place in a home where they don't normally belong, for instance, the kitchen, now they're at the kitchen table, that's a weird place for you to put your ammonium nitrate, weird place for you to put your concentrated hydrogen peroxide or your chlorine tablets for your pool. Um, all of these begin to be indicators of, and signs of, of someone acting suspiciously. You know, in, in today's society, if I can continue. Yeah, sorry. please. Um, in today's society, a car alarm goes out, uh, off outside our house. And what do we do? We turn the TV up to try to drown it out, as opposed to going to the window and looking outside. We hear a scream. We hear whatever it might be, squealing tires. And we ignore it. We don't bother to go and take a look. We don't call up our neighbors when we see their garage doors left open at night. You know, these are the kinds of things that, that we've, we've kind of gotten lazy as a society. And so we need to be um, paying more attention to that. Um, as an HOA, are they, are they paying their HOA dues? Are they taking care of their yard? Is their, their attention focused elsewhere? You know, these are all things that, that could be signs. And not, not one thing is going to be pointed out that say, yeah, this person is going to act as a lone wolf terrorist or a, mm -hmm. a criminal. It's the totality of everything that we see 
that ends up building that picture. And, uh, you know, as we've seen in San Bernardino, perhaps there were signs. Maybe people, if they had called, you know, would the FBI have looked into it? I, I hope so. But, you know, someone does have to pick up that phone and make that call. So when somebody does pick up the phone and make the call, what's the process usually? Because uh, I know I've, I've actually called the FBI personally back in the past when I noticed a couple things out of the ordinary. Were you that... turning yourself in for something? Or was that <laughs> – it's not confession time here. But... <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, well, go ahead. You know, we accept we, – we take phone calls and we take online submissions. We get a lot of submissions through FBI.gov. And we have an online submission uh, form there. We also take a lot of computer crime submissions through what's called the Internet Crime Complaint Center, IC3.gov. But when you call the FBI, whether that's through our 1-800-CALL-FBI number or 1-855-TELL-FBI, if you think it's something WMD-related, that's a specific number for that. But when you call the FBI, 100% of the time, a specialist is going to look at that information. And that doesn't mean we're going to run right out and we're going to crash the door down of the neighbor's house and, you know, black Suburbans with the tinted windows are going to show up. But what it does mean is we're going to take a look at it because we can't afford not to. Uh, we investigate in secret so that we don't smear the wrong people. And I promise you, at least certainly here in Arizona and around the country, it's happening on a daily basis where we're looking into suspicious activity. Um, and you don't hear about it most of the time because it either turns into a long-term investigation, which is a very small percentage of the time, but most of the time it turns out to be nothing. But do you want to be the person that didn't make that phone call if you did see something that, that could be suspicious? I know I wouldn't want to be that. Yeah, you make some great points. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I, um, I, Probably going to have to edit this a little bit, but... <laughs> You're going to edit out me? Yeah. No, I'm going to edit out my mumblings, but especially this part. But, um, yeah, I I really appreciate the fact that there are people like you out there that are risking their lives and putting their lives on the line to help keep us safer. And when you're talking about weapons of mass destruction, that's no joke. When I think personally of weapons of mass destruction, I think of, like, a nuclear bomb or a... Something that's just an EMP going off and shutting down the whole country. But that's not necessarily the case, is it? No. When we're talking about chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, like you said, and explosives. And, and, and we talk about chemical. I could make a chemical weapon that would, you know, damage a neighborhood with just some chlorine and some acid. And I'm not trying to teach anybody thing, anything here. It's all available 100% on the Internet to see these recipes. Uh, for making things. There was a man in Tucson um, who made a chemical weapon, a chlorine cloud the size of a football field. It's back in 2009 by mixing together chlorine tablets and some acid. And, and that's considered a weapon of that's mass considered destruction? That's considered a weapon of mass destruction. What is the definition of mass? That's for the attorneys and everything to, to fight about. Um, but he could have injured a lot of people. Uh, it, very simple. Less than $100 worth of materials. We talk biology. Uh, if you've seen certain popular TV shows where they make things like ricin or abrin, that happens on a near-weekly basis somewhere here in the country. Um, it doesn't have to be a nuke. It doesn't have to be a radiological material uh, like a dirty bomb. Uh, but what we see a lot of are explosives. 
and they're so easy to make. The terrorists are making them all the time. Uh, Peroxide-based explosives in particular are very, very popular. But it's using common household chemicals to make these things. Um, but, you know, it's the first responders. So I'm, I'm an FBI agent, right? And I'm, I'm working long-term investigations. Um, but my hat goes off to the guys back at Mesa PD, back at Phoenix PD, or any of the, the local police departments, state police uh, and firemen that are out there responding to the 911 calls that come in from these neighborhoods. Yeah, we follow on later on and, and continue the investigation, but those guys, they're truly risking their lives. They're the ones making contact in the communities. They're the ones that HOA boards, HOA presidents need to have contact with. They need to know what precinct cover the, covers their neighborhood, and they need to make contact and invite them out to meetings. Say, come on out and talk to my community about what crimes are going on in the neighborhood so that when something does go on, it's not the first time you're meeting these, these officers. Um, and they can talk to you about security issues. Do you need more lighting here, for instance? Or, um, you know, the, the old concept of community policing uh, or broken windows theory of policing from back in the 80s. Sure. Where you have a bunch of broken windows in a dilapidated house or your community park is getting overrun with graffiti and things are getting broken. That just encourages more crime to continue. Um, and whether it's small crime or whether it's the, the bigger investigations that the FBI is involved in, it all begins with these, these little things, these little suspicious activities, for instance, that are, that are coming to the attention of, of neighbors and friends. Do you believe that the, uh, the vast majority of your legitimate investigations result from contact with the first responders like the police department, the fire department? Or is it more just people directly reporting to you guys? Oh, you know, it's actually a pretty good combination of both. We work now mostly in what we call Joint Terrorism Task Forces, or JTTFs, uh, of which I'm a part here in Arizona. And that's a conglomerate of local, state, and federal agencies who all sit together. And when something comes across our desk, we work it jointly. Uh, we do a lot of training with first responders. Uh, they may pull over a car that's got suspicious chemicals in the trunk. And I know when I was a cop, if I pulled over a car that had some chemicals in the trunk, I'm not sure I would have known what it was or what to do with it. But now as we get out and we do more training, they're now calling us and saying, hey, let's take a second look at this. It's really not a big deal. He can shoot a picture of it off his phone and send it to me, and I can be sitting at my house at 11 o'clock at night and look at the chemicals in the trunk and determine, oh, yeah, that's just a pesticide guy. Yeah, he's telling you the truth about what he sees uh, or about what he's doing as opposed to, you know, yeah, we're going to send a team out there and black Suburbans and, and plastic suits and air tanks, and we're going we're gonna to take that car somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. those are great points because I know when I was a cop, which was a couple years before you, um, when I started. Since you're the old timer in the yeah, room. I'm yeah, the, <laughs> and I am old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We didn't never get any of that training, you know. We we never. Uh, I know that we had liaisons to the FBI and other federal agencies, but they were their own guys, and um, you know, it was more of a gut reaction for me. So it re really would have helped me if I had had that training. So I'm glad to hear that's being done. Well, good. Um, go ahead. I think about you know one of the big topics I like to talk about is leadership. Whether you're a leadership, a leader in law enforcement, you're a leader in your, your field, in the legal field, 
um, as a community leader, you know, in an HOA. Um, and for me, leadership comes down to relationships and education. What relationships do we have with our community partners? What relationships do you have with your employees? What relationships do you have with your neighbors? And so if you're an HOA, for instance, do you have strong relationships in the community? Do you have strong relationships with law enforcement and with the members of your community? And then education is the other part. The best leaders in my life were those that took me under their wing and taught me something about how to be better. So if I'm in an HOA, I, I would want that HOA to teach me the things I need to be doing that are right, what, uh, what I should be looking for, how we can work together uh, to make the community that much stronger. Do you offer outreach programs to homeowners association groups? So let's say that I have a homeowners association that wants to talk to folks and get trained on you know, different things and what they can observe, what might be out of the ordinary, what may not be, what, what is, what isn't. Uh, do you do those outreach programs or do you leave that up to the local police department? Most of the time we leave it up to the, the local police department because they have community outreach specialists within most departments, neighborhood specialists. Um, and they hold neighborhood meetings, for instance. But frankly, I'll talk to anybody that, that will listen if, the, if my message is appropriate. It may not be entirely appropriate to go out to an HOA, to a board meeting or community meeting and tell them about signs of weapons of mass destruction, but maybe it might, it might be. Um, so I, I consider those on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but again, education, like I said, it's so important. I'm one person managing a program here in this state. I'm one of 56 WMD coordinators around the country. There's no way I can see and do everything I need to do. So if I can force multiply, that helps me out a whole lot. Cool. Well, Special Agent Phil, we, we're really grateful that you could be on the show with us today. And um, just thank you for all you're doing and uh, for the information you provide. I think it's been, it's been very helpful for our client base. Thank you. you have anything I appreciate else to add? your time, um, and I look forward to uh, doing this again sometime. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye.